1: We've got a developing story here on nfl live where it's four eastern on the east coast which means that the waiver deadline has officially come and gone for a team to claim dalvin cook nfl insider adam shefter joining us now shefty what do we need to know here well kevin we are waiting to get
2: word whether dalvin cook clears waivers we should have that here and we'll bring it to you as soon as we get it it should be within minutes The sense around the league is that he will clear waivers that nobody will pick up the $322,000 remaining on his contract and if he does clear then he would be free to sign with any team he wanted and a lot of people believe he'll want to go and will land with a playoff contender but he has to clear waivers first. To become a free agent and we'll bring you the very latest as soon as we hear in a matter of minutes.
1: That's how we start the show. Adam is here for uh, with us for the next hour with much more. Let's say hello to Mina Kimes and Andrew Hawkins. I'm Kevin Nagani honing it down for Laura Rutledge Amina. All week we have heard that Dallas is a logical landing spot for Dalvin Cook. There are potential two see that has some issues in the run game. Does Cook becoming a cowboy make sense to you?
3: You know, based on what we've seen this year and actually the previous year, but I'll focus on this season, Kevin, I'm not sure adding Cook to that running back room is much of an upgrade. It can be hard to isolate a back's performance from his situation, the blocking, but there's a stat that I really like a lot called rushing yards over-expected from next-gen stats. Basically, tries to isolate, okay, what is a running back doing independent of his blocking and, and when you take into account where defenses are? So of... uh, Of the 65 backs, who have 50 or more carries this year, Dalvin Cook ranks 65th Mm. in that stat. He was actually near the bottom last season as well. Pollard is, I believe, about 40. So he hasn't been great, but he's been better than Cook. You never know what he has left in his tank. Maybe he could surprise, but he has not played particularly great this season. And I think for Dallas, um, it wouldn't be that much of an upgrade.
0: Yeah, I think the Buffalo Bills could make sense. I love everything that you just talked about, Mina, because it's spot on. And yes, besides the obvious of getting to play with his brother James in Buffalo, we know the Buffalo Bills aren't shy about kicking the tires on players past their prime, which the reality is that's where Dalvin Cook is. But that being said, with the way that Joe Brady is actually employing his offense and doing his game plan, this actually could be an upgrade for Buffalo. Because yes, the younger Cook has been balling, but there isn't much depth. Behind that, they have Latavius Murray, but Dalvin is actually more along the skill set of James. James has a lot more juice. So what would it allow is that for Brady to continue to use his game plan and strategy the way that he's been going, not the same player, but they do have a very similar skill set. So there's not much of a drop off when they put him in the lineup.
1: You make a reference to Joe Brady, the guy that's play calling for this team over the last month and a half. Cook, by the way, has averaged a career low 3.2 yards per carry this season. Anything in that Jets offense has been ugly. Back here with Shefty. Huge matchup this weekend with the second seed in the AFC on the line between the Dolphins and those Bills that Hawk just talked about. Lots of injuries heading into Sunday night in South Florida. Let's start with Jalen Waddell.
2: Well, Kevin, he did not practice again today for a second straight day. Now, they're not giving up hope yet that he can't be out there on Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills, and tomorrow will go a long way towards determining his status and whether he's got any chance to play on Sunday night against the Bills. But right now, it's a second straight day of no practice for Wada. You look at some of the other Dolphins' notable injuries. Tua Bailoa, full practice today. So he looks like he's ready to go on Sunday night, despite. That shoulder injury, no practice again today for Raheem Mostert, who missed last week. That's problematic and worrisome. No practice for Xavier Howard. Foot injury, problematic and worrisome as well. So there we go with some of the Dolphins injuries here going into Sunday night. Now, Josh Allen was a full participant in practice today for a second straight day, despite the fact that he has a neck and finger injury, so he is tracking right now to be ready to play. It will be Josh Allen, it will be Tua Tunga-Vailoa, And we'll see if there are other players around them to join the fun on Sunday
1: night. Okay, Shefty, stand by. Let's dig into this, sorry. Uh, Let's dig into this with some research. The Bills are on a four-game winning streak, but uh, that star-wide receiver, Stefan Diggs, unusually quiet during the streak. He's averaged less than 32 receiving yards per game over the last month. His fewest in any four-game span since his rookie season back in 2015. He's actually been targeted more frequently, but the connection has not been there, as he's caught only 55 percent of the passes thrown his way that connection there's a lot going on Hawk what concerns do you have about the lack of production from Diggs so far
0: I have zero concerns I actually appreciate the fact they're not forcing him the ball at this juncture in the season I get what people say they say okay the reps are down they're putting Gabe Davis back Um, getting him more looks. They're getting uh, Khalil Shakir more looks. They're running the football a lot more. And all those things are good because Joe Brady is just better at situational play calling than his predecessor was. And that's a fact of the matter. So he is not forcing touches to Stephon Diggs. The first time these two teams matched up, it was very clear. You stop Stephon Diggs. You stop this offense. That is no longer the case. And that's a good thing because they're going to need Diggs down the stretch into the playoffs, and the only way that they'll be able to get defenses to play them straight up is to show that they have other viable weapons at wide receiver and that they have a sound running game and that their number one receiver is actually just the person that's open.
3: Yeah, Hawk, you make a great point when you say they're not forcing him the football, and it raises interesting questions for Vic Fangio, the Dolphins defensive coordinator, because a previous version of this Buffalo Bills offense, the, the version Buffalo Bills offense, the version they saw earlier in the season when Stephon Diggs went crazy, the game plan would have been simple. Put Jalen Ramsey on Stefan Diggs, shut him down. You got injuries in the front and on the back end, but if you can shut down Stephon Diggs, you got a shot. But if yeah. they do that, and that's not typically what Fangio does with his defenses, as you just said, the Bills will run the ball they'll throw to James Cook, they'll use the tight ends, they'll come out in 12 personnel, Knox, Kincaid will get the football. So I think for Vic, it raises some questions about how best to deploy Jalen Ramsey in this game. I think it actually is, does not make sense to just ask him to shut down Stephon Diggs and, and that part of the field. I actually would think it might be helpful to put him in that star position he played in Los Angeles so he's on the ball more and can affect the game more. It is a, quite a challenge given some of their injuries, but Jalen Ramsey is playing really, really good football right now, and I think there's an opportunity for Vic to use him to impact this game more.
1: Yeah, to Minas' point, Joe Brady, since he took over as the OC back in Week 11, the Bills have run the ball at the highest rate in the NFL. With that in mind, Hawk, then how would you use Jalen Ramsey?
0: You keep them on one side of the field. I mean, it's funny because in the first game, we begged the Miami Dolphins to have a corner, Xavier and Howard, follow Stephon Diggs. They didn't do that, and Stephon Diggs went crazy. To Mina's point, this is a completely different offense, and the Miami Dolphins are a completely different defense now. So with Jalen Ramsey, you have to just keep him on one side of the field because you actually put your defense at a disadvantage if you were having him following a player that might not be the focal point of the offense anymore.
1: So much on the line Sunday night football. Cannot wait for that matchup in South Florida. We're just getting started here on NFL Live. Talking about a lot on the line, a lot of money on the line for Baker Mayfield if the Bucks make the playoffs. They're a win away from taking the NFC South title. We'll update you on his status and what Tampa Bay needs to do to lock up the division. Plus, Pittsburgh head coach Mike Tomlin said he's riding the hot hand by starting Mason Rudolph over Kenny Pickett in Saturday's monster game against the Ravens. Shefty will join us with much more on that decision. That's ahead. This is NFL Live.
5: Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be.
6: He
0: dropped back left-handed and turned his shoulders and threw the ball right-handed. Like I'm seeing it because I got my eyes on him. I'm in fire zone, so we're dropping down. And I'm like, why is he dropping back like he's about to throw the ball with his left hand? Then he flips his shoulders, throws it a dime to uh, Zay Flowers at the sideline, I was like, "Mm, that was pretty dope.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Respect. He's a cheat code. That was Dolphin Safety, Javon Holland. Clearly, like all of us, impressed with Lamar, back here with Mina Hawk and Shefty. Hawk, you ever have a quarterback do that with a left and right hand switchover?
0: No, because there's only one quarterback on planet Earth that can pull it off and would pull it off. And it's LaMarvelous Jackson. And that's the reason why what he does is so special. I see so many comments on my Twitter that, oh, he's overrated. Look at the numbers. I don't think people realize the ridiculousness of the things that he can do in an NFL game. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I was 4'3, 4'40, and a 3'86 shuttle, and I could never make people miss or do any of the things Lamar Jackson is doing on a football field. Hawk, so all the people who are around the game, like everybody in this panel and all the players, it's because we're just as wild as the people that are having to tackle him and play defense against him. To
1: your point, Hawk, you, you mentioned some people on social media criticizing him. Well, they're not covering him. That's the ultimate respect when you hear <laughs> Holland say that the safety there. And, and let's. Let's stay yeah. specifically on the Ravens. Adam, uh, th- their game with Pittsburgh Saturday on ESPN, they've already secured the one seed. Will we see Lamar out there on Saturday night?
2: No, they recognize what they have, and they want Lamar at full strength for the first playoff game, the divisional playoff game with the number one seed clinched. And so Lamar is not going to play Saturday, Kevin. They're going to start Tyler Huntley as the quarterback Lamar Jackson will not see the field that day and that will give him two full weeks to get ready for the divisional playoff game. Meanwhile, the Pittsburgh Steelers have their own quarterback situation and they're going back to Mason Rudolph and sticking with him and Kenny Pickett's well enough to play but Mason Rudolph right now is the quarterback that they're turning to to try to make their last postseason push and that lends some idea to the fact that they're going to have a quarterback decision and dilemma to have during the off season because Mason Rudolph here is the one that's providing a spark down the stretch. Not the quarterback that they once drafted in the first round who they thought was going to be their quarterback of the future. And it leaves the Pittsburgh Steelers in a curious predicament as they try to lock up a postseason spot and as they head into the
1: postseason. To your point, the offense just has some life. Time to read and react to some playoff-clinching scenarios, and we stay with Pittsburgh. The Steelers would make the playoffs with a win over the Ravens and a loss by either the Bills or the Jaguars. Pittsburgh could still get in with a loss, but they would need a Broncos win and a Jaguars loss. So, they need some help here, Mina, as you saw the scenarios. In terms of what they can control, what's the one thing you think they need to be focused on this weekend here?
3: Yeah, don't sleep on Tyler Huntley. There's a lot of backup quarterbacks starting this week and he is certainly one of the better ones. We saw that last year when he almost won Mm. a wildcard game. Now, granted, some players probably won't be on the field for Baltimore, but they will still have motivation to beat a divisional rival and put them out of playoff contention so The Pittsburgh Steelers defense has to take this matchup seriously because it is not a cupcake one.
1: And by the way, these two teams absolutely hate each other, so no doubt the Ravens will be playing whoever's on the field, right? Now to Jacksonville, where the Jaguars control their own destiny, beat the Titans, they win the AFC South. The Jags could still clinch a wild-card spot with a loss, but they would need the Broncos and the Steelers to lose. Hawk, what's the most important thing in your mind for this Jaguars offense
0: on Sunday? Get Calvin really going early and often. This is the game that you brought him here for. This is why we were so excited for the Jaguars to have that weapon coming into the season. It's been up and down. This is the perfect opportunity to bounce back because number one, he ate the Titans up the first time they played. From every situation, from press coverage, off coverage, in the slot, on reverses, switch releases. They found so many ways to get the football in his hands. You're in a win and your end scenario. This is where the big-time players have to step up. And Calvin Ridley, this is your opportunity to do so.
1: And we finished the same scenario with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They get another chance to clinch the NFC South after losing to the Saints last weekend. With a win over the Panthers, the Bucs would clinch their third straight division title. So a lot on the line here for Tampa, and there are some health questions surrounding their quarterback. Shefty back with us. What do you know about Baker Mayfield's availability here on Sunday?
2: Well, the good part today, Kevin, is he was limited in practice. So the fact that he was back at practice today, one day after he didn't practice at all on Wednesday due to that rib injury, is an encouraging sign for his availability in Sunday's game against the Panthers as the Buccaneers try to wrap up the NFC South title and advance to the postseason. Hard to imagine that Baker Mayfield wouldn't be out there in one way or another, some form of fashion with him having that rib injury, It's going to be painful, not going to be easy, but it would be a real surprise if Baker Mayfield didn't start a quarterback for Sunday's huge game for the Buccaneers.
1: I Mina, mean, we know it's the two in Panthers, but what do you want to see from the Bucks offense here this weekend?
3: Yeah. Well, this is an important game, nonetheless obviously they need to win to get in, but also this Bucks offense has been so up and down. There's an opportunity here to end the season on a high note. I, you'd want to see something similar to what you saw against Green Bay. Obviously, Mayfield had a perfect passer rating, so that's a no brainer. But I would also say the way they attacked that Packers defense is similar to how they can attack a Carolina Panthers defense that plays a ton of cover three attacking the seams. I think they can run the football on them. This Bucs run game has been really up and down with Rashad White. Uh, the Panthers run defense has been by most metrics, the worst in the NFL. So, wipe away last week against the New Orleans Saints, think back a couple weeks ago, lean into some of those concepts, and then, of course, don't turn over the
6: football.
0: Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, I, that's been my issue with the, the, the Buccaneers this entire season. They're, you know, Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. Um, and I think when you have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback, that is the experience. One week, he might have a perfect passer rating and five touchdown passes. The very next week, he might turn it over three times. He's had a great season. So kudos and shout-out to Baker Mayfield. But they're going to need to win this game, which I expect them to do because, to your point, the weapons on the outside are going to be too much for the Carolina Panthers. But for them to be a real weapon going into the postseason, they're going to need some stability at quarterback because only the really good teams don't beat themselves in the postseason.
1: All right, still to come, let's continue that playoff talk. The Cowboys can lock up the NFC. East with a win against the Commanders. Mead and Hawk. They're going to be back to discuss what part of Dallas's offense needs to get back on track before their postseason run. Stay tuned. This is NFL Live.
5: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Must be 21 plus and present in present select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: Week 18 NFL season finale is back, and Saturday our doubleheader is loaded. Playoff implications galore. The Steelers facing the Ravens 4:15 Eastern, and then we got the Colts hosting the Texans at 8 Eastern. Win, and they get in both games on ESPN, ABC. ESPN Deportes and ESPN plus let's get back to our top stories Adam Schefter jumping back in with us Schefter you know all eyes in Jacksonville specifically on the quarterback position yet again what do we know about the health of Trevor Lawrence
2: yeah Kevin he has been limited to practice the last two days the fact that he's been out there at all I think is semi-encouraging for his availability for Sunday but he was officially limited today for a second straight day and they're hoping that he can make it back in time to play Sunday's game at Tennessee against the Titans in what will be a physical matchup for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they try to get to the postseason. Meanwhile, there are injury questions and concerns surrounding your Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith, who sprained his ankle last week, didn't practice on Wednesday. Not great. We'll see whether or not he can get back out there in time. For Sunday's game as the Eagles try to get to the postseason here but that sprained ankle is going to hinder him they need him healthy for the postseason and we're continuing to wait on an update on Dalvin Cook and whether or not he clears waivers as of right now there's still no official word it's 4 26 eastern as we essentially go on air here and there should be word within minutes about whether Dalvin Cook went cleaned on waivers or whether he went unclaimed on waivers and then would be free to sign with whichever playoff contender he wanted. The fact that there's been no word yet this late tells me that he probably went unclaimed but we are awaiting official word and we will see soon enough and as soon as we have it we'll bring it to you
1: and we started the top of the show talking about this topic specifically about maybe a connection with the Cowboys and Dalvin Cook meaning weighing in as well the Cowboys are a win away from clinching the NFC East and for more on that let's bring in Ed or Ed what is the mindset for this team as they get ready to take on the commanders on the road this Sunday
6: Yeah, Kevin, I would say it's not an exaggeration to suggest the Cowboys' playoff fate will largely be determined in the final 60 minutes of regular season football Sunday at Washington. Winning Sunday against one of the league's worst teams secures the NFC East Championship and the number two seed in the NFC playoffs. That means potentially two home playoff games for the only NFL team that didn't lose at home even once this season and has a 16-game home winning streak overall. And it would enable the Cowboys to avoid the 49ers, who have ended their season each of the past two postseasons, at least until an NFC Championship game. Here's what the players had to say.
1: Yeah, it's huge, right? I mean, we you want to be able to control your own destiny, and we have the opportunity to
5: do, to do that this year. And um, you know, a lot of the guys in the locker room were a part of that game last year, to end the season, and kind of leave that sour taste in your mouth. So um, I, don't, I don't think anyone's taking this game
6: uh, lightly. And uh, it's going to be, we talked about it all week. The playoffs are starting this week for us. Uh, We've got one game right here to go win this division, um, have a two seed, uh, and that that makes it a playoff game. That makes it a game obviously with a lot of implication, but another game that this team needs that'll just help us, um, obviously sets us up in the position for the playoffs, but also for us to have that playoff mindset as we've had for the last couple of weeks or so headed into the the actual playoff. Therefore, you just go out there and play the game that that we know we can play. on the road which would be important um, and and just taking a bunch of confidence into this uh, playoff game out of this game well the conversation here this week has not been about the cowboys 35 point victory over the commanders on thanksgiving day instead as zach martin suggested the cowboys coaches have implored the players not to underestimate an opponent that seemingly lacks motivation they've discussed their last visit to washington which was under similar, very, very similar circumstances to what we have this year, they went there Week 18, lost 26-6, with Sam Howell making his very first NFL start. Dak Prescott played into the fourth quarter in that game, and Kevin, the Cowboys simply cannot afford that kind of catastrophe again without greatly diminishing their prospects for postseason success.
1: And guess who's back to becoming the starting quarterback for the Commanders? That is Sam Howell. We will see how this plays out over the weekend if they play for Ron Rivera. Thank you so much, Ed. Cowboys offense has been held to 20 or fewer points in three straight games. A significant reason for that has been their struggles in the run game. Over the last three weeks, Dallas has averaged roughly 82 rushing yards per game. They're fewest in any three-game span since 2019. Let's bring back Mina and Hawk. How important will it be, Mina, here for the Cowboys to get that run game going this weekend in D.C.? Yeah,
3: I think there's an opportunity for Dallas to kind of tune up some of the areas that they've struggled with over the last few weeks. The run game, as you illustrated there, against a... uh, shall we say, uh, lackluster commanders' defense. Uh, Frankly, by the way, we're talking about who's playing for Dallas. I'm not quite sure who's going to be playing for Washington Mm. because the only people cheering for Dallas as hard as Dallas fans will be commanders' fans who don't want to jeopardize that draft pick, so that'll be interesting to watch. But uh, anyways, the players play, and they want to win, and and I think Dallas uh, can try to find something there on that side of the football. I would also say on the other side of the football, Cowboys' run defense has been... Really struggled against Buffalo, of course. Uh, this commander's offense is not great, but they actually can still run the football pretty well with Brian Robinson. So I think in the same way that there's an opportunity for the Cowboys' run game to you know, try to get some concepts going, also their run defense needs to have a good day against this team and not take that for granted.
0: Yeah, their offense has become a little bit one-dimensional. And in order for the West Coast offense to truly work, you have to be able to create that balance. The West Coast offense is extremely methodical. Consistent run game, deacon dunk, effective quick game, and strategic shots. Yes, their pass game has been explosive. Yes, it's been fun at times, but you are running a really big risk. The reality is good playoff teams can consistently run the football. And what we're seeing now with their passing game and getting behind those sticks on first down runs is it's starting to feel reminiscent of the Kellen Moore offense, which is just... Send Dak Prescott back there and let him throw it, and it got them into trouble. Their quarterback has played better because of the uh, methodology of McCarthy in this West Coast office because all the pressure isn't on him. If they don't fix the inconsistency in the run game, I can promise you the pass game will not be far behind.
1: Mina, when you look at specifically the pass game, uh, listen, C.D. Lamb is having that breakout season as the star on this team when it comes to the offense running through 88. Who has to help CeeDee Lamb?
3: Yeah, you know, Andrew talks about sort of the offense being one-dimensional in terms of being a very good passing offense, not a good rushing attack. I I think multi-dimensionality with an offense can also be not just run or pass, but how do you pass the football? How do you distribute your targets? Um, Things like RPOs, some of the screens that they run can almost stand in for the run game when it's struggling. And along those lines, Lamb's always going to be the focal point and they should always move around accordingly. But their best offensive performances on the season have been ones where they have gotten the other pass catchers, especially Cooks and the tight end Jake Ferguson, involved, especially when you're playing defenses that key in on land, which every smart defense will do right now. Uh, so I, I really think Brandon Cooks is important for the spacing of this attack to spread defenses uh, out. And the game he has disappeared have been ones where they've often struggled.
0: Yeah, they, they have to stick to what has worked for them. You, know, you are so right. That quick game, those screens, they become an extension of the run game. Get the ball out of Dak's hands quick, and it still creates that same uh you know production early in, 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 in the series. That being said, if you look at this offense early, early in the year, as they're trying to still figure out the detail and how detail-oriented the offense is, they weren't on the same page, Cook specifically, and those tight ends, when they were at their best, To your point, Mina, that connection was flowing and it opened it up even more for the big shots to C.D. Lamb. So they have to keep that going specifically down the middle of the field.
1: 18 straight years, the NFC East has not had a repeat champ. And that can continue with the streak if the Cowboys get the win. That is the longest streak in NFL history. We will see how that plays out over the weekend. Coming up, the Texans and Colts face off in a win and in matchup this Saturday. Find out what Mina thinks the Colts offense needs to do to get past an improved Texans defense. The big games continue with Super Wild Card Weekend featuring the annual Monday night game on January 15th on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2 with Peyton and Eli, ESPN Deportes and ESPN Plus. Then a divisional round game will be either Saturday, January 20th or Sunday, January 21st on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes and ESPN Plus. Once again, back to our breaking news here, the very latest on Dalvin Cook and we have an update here. Here's Shefty, what can you tell us? Well, Kevin, as we suspected, Dalvin Cook officially
2: went unclaimed on waivers today. No team claimed the $322,000 balance on his contract, and now Dalvin Cook becomes a free agent, and he would like to sign and does plan to sign with a playoff contender at some point here. We'll see if and when that develops, but he's not done playing this season, doesn't want to be. It's just that he went unclaimed on waivers and now can
1: choose where he wants to go. Good stuff there, Shafty. Stand by. I want to talk about the coaches, especially what we're going to see over the next week. But we've got some uh, sound coming in here. The Commanders have lost seven straight, and they close out their season at home on Sunday against the Cowboys. Head coach Ron Rivera was asked about his future. Take a listen to this. Obviously, as we've discussed the next few days, we'll see what happens with the organization, what decisions they make. Um, if it goes a certain way, do you still want to be – A head coach in the
6: league? Well, I know this. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it on Sunday.
1: Let's bring back, as promised, Adam Schefter. Whether in Washington or elsewhere, I think it's safe to say there are going to be head coach openings this offseason. Who would likely be the top candidates for these spots?
2: Well, I think the first guy you're going to hear an awful lot about is the Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. He was in demand last year, didn't feel he was ready to leave his post as the offensive coordinator to of the Lions to go become a head coach in, say, Carolina and return to Detroit, where he's done nothing to diminish his stock this season. He seems to be a candidate that many teams are hiring. We'll see where he winds up. Another candidate that's going to generate interest is the Rams defensive coordinator, the former head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Raheem Morris. has done a tremendous job here this season with the Rams defense playing the way it has this season. He's somebody that the players rally around, respond to, and he is expected to generate head coaching interviews. And then, of course, there's the question surrounding the Michigan football coach, Jim Harbaugh, who's hired Don Yee, the NFL-based agent, to represent him. I felt all along that it's going to take an opportunity at the NFL better. Than the one that he believes he has at Michigan despite the fact that the NCAA may come after him to get him to leave Ann Arbor certainly it could happen there will be teams that are expected to be interested but it's going to take the right situation with the right owner the right quarterback to get Jim Harbaugh to leave Ann Arbor we'll see whether an NFL team can put together a good enough offer to make that
1: happen he was Kevin. a fantastic and very successful coach with the Niners taking them to the Super Bowl <clears throat> Mr. Michigan man By the way, how are we feeling about Monday night being uh, the favorite against Washington and are we going to that game? Well, Kevin, this team has been up
2: to every challenge it has encountered so far. We are still trying to figure out if we can make our way down to Houston, still in the process uh, I would say questionable right now. We will let you know if
1: officially we are a go. Okay. How are we feeling with it, with this game? Because let's bring in uh, somebody that has ties on the other side, and that is Mina Kimes <laughs> and her love for the Washington Huskies. How are we feeling, guys?
3: I actually – well, I'm actually a little conflicted. I, Adam knows this. I actually lived in Ann Arbor as a kid, so I do have a lot of love for Michigan. But I got way more love for my Washington Huskies. I hope you're scared of our offense and Michael Panix Jr. after the show that they put on in the Sugar yep. Bowl.
2: Shifty? Dangerous offense. Go no ahead. doubt about it. Will be a huge challenge. But this has been a great Michigan team all season long, with a lot of great individuals. We'll see whether they're up to it on Monday night.
1: He stayed above it, Mina, the entire time. Shefty made Classy. that clean. He stayed Classic above Michigan it the man. entire time. <laughs> that is very impressive. All right, let's get, let's get back to the coaches' <laughs> conversation because let's talk about two rookie coaches. You know, entering this season, the Texans and the Colts. Ton of questions about the future. And so they change head coaches in both regimes. And both these teams were ranked in the bottom three of the AFC in terms of their chances to make the playoffs with. Less than a 20% chance, but both teams have exceeded expectations. Setting up a winner-take-all game Saturday on ESPN and ABC. The winner clinches a playoff spot while the loser is eliminated. Back here with Mina and Hawk. How impressive is what these two rookie head coaches have done in Indy and Houston?
3: You know... If not for Kevin Stefanski, who I have to mention because Hawk's on this show with me and he'd be screaming if I didn't mention his name also. This <laughs> might be the coach of the year bowl, right? It really it really does feel like it um, because both of these guys have just been outstanding. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's T- turning around not just the performance of an organization that was 11, 38, and one in three years before he became head coach, but also the culture uh, that you see in place there also appears to have nailed his hires. Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator, has done a fantastic job with C.J. Stroud. That defense is improving. And then for Steichen, on the other side, uh, adversity is the word that comes to mind. Losing the, the rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson, so early in the season. If you've watched the Colts, They're not winning because of their quarterback. No disrespect to Gardner Minshew. Uh, He's been a serviceable backup, but they're an extremely well coached team and they're winning games anyways. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for what they've done.
0: Yeah, the same reasons why I think Kevin Stefanski is the coach of the year. You could apply to Coach Steichen as well for the same reasons you mentioned, Mina. There's so much adversity that has come to this team. They lose their top five quarterback early in the season. Like, Besides the fact that he's a first-year coach, when you're a first-year coach, what that means is you have an entire organization, a franchise, a bunch of players who just watched the same hopes and dreams that you're selling them now die with the last coach, who said the same exact thing. And when adversity hits, this is a fragile group. It's It's so easy to go back into, up oh, here goes the same thing again. And all the first-year coach teams that I've been a part of, that was the case. The fact that he has been able to keep this team not only in the fight, Now contending for a playoff spot without their franchise quarterback is nothing short than amazing. I can
1: tell you guys, they certainly miss Shane Steichen in Philadelphia when you watch that offense specifically Mm. move the ball and just get stopped continually on who they face. As for the game here, okay, let's just move on. Hawk, uh, just how different is this version specifically of C.J. Stroud? Compare the guy the Colts faced back in September.
0: Yeah, a big reason why D'Amico Ryans has been so successful is because we know they got the right guy in C.J. Stroud. The first time they played him, it was kind of his coming out party. He had a pretty good game, but he is doing things a lot different. There is just certain experience that you cannot get in a meeting room. And the fact that he has had a whole season under his belt and he has matured to the point where now he plays closer to an all pro than he does a rookie. By doing things like not being rattled by the pressure like he was in the first game. He's also not bored with the check down. He is going to take whatever play is there and understands that their time will come. Besides the fact he can make all the throws, he's using his legs a lot more. What they're going to have to face with C.J. Stroud is someone that is not only just confident, He knows that he can make the play, and he gets better as the game goes on, and that wasn't the case in the first
1: game. They they look like a completely different team when he went down with that concussion, then he comes back, and he's been outstanding. Let's flip it to the Texans' defense here, Mina. How do you expect Garner Minshew and this offense to attack the defense of the Texans on Saturday night?
3: Well, a big part of the reason why Eagles fans like Kevin miss Shane Zaykin so much is he is really gifted at identifying the weaknesses and mismatches in opposing defenses and then just hammering them over and over. He's very game plan specific. And and I think while this Texans defense has improved a lot, they're especially stout against the run, they are vulnerable to pass plays with run action, which is something that Shane Steichen loves to call in Indianapolis. He's uh, called one of the most prolific RPO offenses next to Philadelphia this year. And the Colts run play action at the eighth highest rate in the NFL. Texans defense gives up the most yards per play to play action in the league, so don't be surprised if you see a lot of that in this game because Shane Steichen knows what works.
1: It's win or go home. It's very simple. Uh, Injuries playing a huge role, especially in Week 18. And let's talk about that offensive line here, Shefty. What more can you tell us about Indy? Mm.
2: Well, the culture listing three offensive line starters as questionable for Saturday night's huge game against the Texans. We don't know whether Ryan Kelly, Quinton Nelson, and Braden Smith will be able to go all or listed as questionable. All are uncertain for Saturday night, and that obviously will have a huge impact on a game that has massive playoff implications,
1: Kevin. All right, Shefty, thank you. Let's get a DraftKings Sportsbook same game parlay on this matchup. And for that, let's go back to Mina and let's start with CJ Shroud, second game back from injury, over under 258 and a half passing yards.
3: It's a high bar. It's one he cleared last time they played. I think he'll clear it again. Uh, this Colts defense, very static. Cover three. They play a ton of cover three. C.J. Sh- Stroud shreds cover three. I think he'll do it again.
1: Okay, Jonathan Taylor, he ran for 96 yards last weekend in the win over the Raiders. Yeah. Over, under, 71 and a half on the ground for the Colts running back this week.
3: A little nervous about this one, but I'm going to go under. Um, Park is what I was talking about earlier with the matchup, Texas run defense is very good and Shane Steichen won't be stubborn and just lean into the run if it's not working. I think he'll call short passes, play action, the RPOs instead.
1: All right, we love offense. Let's see how this plays out Saturday night. Let's talk point totals. Over under 47 and a half points scored in this one.
3: I'm going over here. Uh, the Colts have cleared uh, their overs on points uh, 11 times this season. I think both of these offenses have advantages matchup wise against both of these defenses. So it should be an exciting game, especially, of course, with CJ Stroud back in the mix slinging the bill.
1: And keep in mind, these two teams combined for 51 points back in week two. The Colts won 31 to 20. Mina, thank you so much. Still ahead, Jordan Love has the Packers on the edge of a playoff berth. Here, why Mina thinks Love is playing out of his Mine. That's coming up.
2: Don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no sweat same game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code NFL Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours.
1: How about this? The Countdown Crew has you covered for the Week 18 season finale, Saturday 3 Eastern before Steelers-Ravens, and then at 7.30 Eastern leading into Texans-Colts, both on ESPN and ABC, plus the usual three-hour show, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. All right, for the second straight year, the Packers have a win and in-game at Lambeau Field in Week 18. Last year, they lost to the Lions in Aaron Rodgers' final game as a Packer. Green Bay could still get in with a loss, but they would need a lot of help. As for the Bears, you know, Justin Fields trying to play spoiler. He knows exactly what to expect at Lambeau Field on Sunday.
0: It'll be a fun environment to walk into, um, you know, their home field. Uh, I know their fans going to be loud because there's not much to do in Green Bay except watch football. But. Um... <laughs>
1: We should know here that uh, Jair Alexander is returning from his one-game suspension. I'll be curious to see if he's at midfield for the coin toss. And that's certainly a boost (laughs) for that Packers defense after the coin toss. But all eyes here specifically will be on the offense of the Packers. And Jordan Love, Hawk, how would you attack what's been a pretty good Bears defense this week?
0: I, I think you put those weapons on full display. I think Jordan Love has become an incredible decision maker. He has gotten better as the season has gone on. There have been times in games where he gets off to a slow start. I think this is one of those games where he has to start fast, get a rhythm, and push the ball down the field. Christian Watson will probably be back in the lineup, and I think if their connection picks up where it le- left off, it will be a lot and shock this Bears defense. They have a lot of great young pass catchers that matured really quickly the same way that Jordan Love has, and the reason for that is Is because Jordan Love, his evolution, has been on a fast track since the beginning of the season.
1: Yeah, 3,843 yards in the air this season. I mean, he's approaching 4,000. I mean, on the other side here, the Bears are not playing for a playoff spot, but there's still some stuff on the line for them. Why is Sunday so important to this team?
3: Yeah, well, there's an opportunity to play spoiler the way that Detroit did against a divisional rival who dared to slander the fine town. Is it a town of Green Bay? It's definitely not a city, uh, having been there. Um, (laughs) But I also think, you know, for both the quarterback and and the head coach, like this decision on both of them, both Iberflus and uh, Justin Fields, from the organizational perspective, it's going down to the wire. And I kind of think it should go down to the wire. It's a difficult decision on both parts. Um, Anyone who says otherwise is lying. And every game matters, including this one. Uh, And to Hawks' point, you know, the defense has been playing really well lately. I'll be curious to see if Jalen Johnson, who's their best cornerback, plays. He didn't practice today. He has been, he just got named to the Pro Bowl. He has been phenomenal. They're super stout against the run. But they're also facing a Green Bay Packers defense that, um, well, let's just say it's not living up to the offense. There is opportunity for Justin Fields to have a big day through the air. I don't think there's any Jalen Johnson on the other side equivalent who can cover DJ Moore. So this is not a gimme for a Green Bay Packers team, even if it seems like the Bears don't have anything to play for technically.
1: Hawk shaking his head here specifically. I want to go back to the Justin Fields comment that Mina brought up because he has been playing really well of late here, finding his groove in this offense. Mm-hmm. When you look at the ideas of what – Chicago is going to face. Let's not forget, they have the number one pick in the draft. They have the Panthers' number one pick overall in the spring draft. And Kayla Williams is there. Drake May is there. How do you approach a game like this watching Justin Fields?
0: I mean, you expect him to play well. But in my opinion, I think that they have a parting of ways. And that is good for Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears organization because we tried this last year. We already passed up on the first, first overall pick to keep him. And he's playing incredible. But that's a great situation for the Bears because now you have the ability to trade him. And I think he is going to benefit from a change of scenery. He's going to be very, very good in this league for another team. But I think it's it's at that point in the marriage where it's best if they go their separate ways.
3: The Packers- yeah, this oh, is, ahead, this is a showcase game, though. Along- oh, I was going to say, but along those lines, I-, I mentioned it being important and going down to the wire. It also is a showcase game for him because if uh, Hawk's right, and I tend to agree, um, they're trading Justin Fields. It's yet another opportunity for him to shine on the national stage.
1: And, and you reset the clock if you get a new uh, head coach and a new quarterback. So, guys, we've got some uh, Dalvin Cook breaking news coming in. Shefty, come on by. What do you got? All right, Kevin, this just in
2: Dalvin Cook, the four-time Pro Bowl running back, is going to sign with the Baltimore Ravens. So he's gonna make a chance to get a Super Bowl <laughs> run here with Baltimore. The Ravens have postseason death, but Dalvin Cook is going to be a Baltimore Raven.
1: Hey, your quick reaction there, guys. Hawk, your thoughts.
0: He said he wanted a Super Bowl. I mean, I think they become very, very strong candidate than they already were with Dalvin Cook. Mina, your thoughts quickly?
3: Uh, this feels like death. Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, both running the ball really well for Baltimore right hey, now.
1: More on this coming up with me, SportsCenter, 6 p.m. with L. Duncan.